Even now, in the age of technology, when folks have phones in their pockets and purses that have more computing power than it, power than it took to take to send men to the moon, even now when you can get an email and a text at all hours of the day, there's still nothing quite like getting that personal letter in the mailbox, seeing that envelope that is handwritten and addressed just to you. Now, retailers have gotten a little bit sneaky in our days that they have begun to print some envelopes that look like personal letters. So we have to be careful and look at that postmark. I do. I take a look and I look. Do I recognize that person's name? Is that somebody that I know? Is that a friend of mine? Is that somebody in my family that sent me an update on what's going on? And if it is, that's the first letter I open. I put all the junk mail and the bills aside and I open that personal letter first. Because I know that somebody's got a message just for me. Well, imagine if you went out to your mailbox, pulled out the mail, and as you were going through the letters looking at the postmarks, you saw one envelope with the postmark, Heaven. I suspect you might put everything else aside and take a look in there and see what that might be. Because if you got a letter from Heaven, that would be one you would want to read. Well, guess what? Each and every one of us has exactly that. We have a letter written by God personally to you because He loves you, because He cares about you, because He wants to warn you about the things in life that can hurt you, because He wants to spend forever with you. We have a letter postmarked heaven. It's worth reading. Letters in the New Testament day didn't have postmarks quite like our letters do today. But they did give some information about the sender and those who were receiving the letter. And Paul, the apostle, as we know, we have several of his letters preserved in the New Testament. He followed the customs of his day of of beginning his letter with an introduction of himself and a, a statement about the folks to whom he was sending that particular letter. In his letter to the Galatians, he provides a very special postmark. One that no doubt captured the attention of the people that were reading his letter for the first time. Let's see what Paul wrote here in Galatians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia. What would you do? If you received a letter from heaven. Well, Paul's point in a nutshell is that's exactly what we have in the scripture. Now, Paul, in this initial statement, you might think he's boasting that he's been sent by God the Father and Jesus Christ. Well, actually, it's just the opposite. In the Roman world, messengers messages, and then messengers who were bringing those messages were accepted or rejected based upon who it was that sent them. The more important the sender, the more attentive people would be to the message that the messenger was bringing. So the messengers would begin their message, whether it was something that was written or whether it was something that was spoken, they would begin by saying, this is who sent this message. 
Paul makes a very specific point. He was not sent by any one person, nor was he sent by any group of people. He had been sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. It might be a good idea to pay attention to that message. But let's back up a little bit. Who were these Galatians and why is Paul writing them? The term Galatia refers to a, a fairly large area of what we now call Asia Minor. It includes most of what we now know as, as the nation of Turkey. In the New Testament day, the term was used in a couple of different ways. Sometimes it was used to refer to a northern region of Asia Minor, but at other times it referred to a southern part of that region that actually had, in the Roman Empire days, the name Galatia. And most scholars believe that that is the area that Paul is referring to. It was in that area that he spent much of what we call his first missionary journey. There were four churches that were in that area of Galatia that Paul had helped to establish, and it is to those churches that he addresses this letter. That being the case, most scholars believe that Paul likely wrote this letter just before the middle of the first century, around 48-49 A.D., and during that particular time in the Roman Empire, in the New Testament days, there were some false teachers who were trying to influence the church. Essentially, they were making the argument that, yeah, this stuff about Jesus, that's pretty important. And sure, you can follow him as your Savior, but you have to do some other things, too, to make yourself right with God. And they had a specific set of rules and regulations that you had to follow in addition to following Christ as your Savior. Paul writes the Galatian believers to confront what he realizes is a very dangerous teaching. To teach that there is anything beyond Christ that can save was absolutely devastating to the gospel. And so Paul's going to write in his letters to the Galatians what that truth is, why it is absolutely essential, and why we need to avoid those false teachings that would teach anything beyond the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We'll get to that as we read through the letter. But that's the reason that Paul is writing this particular letter to warn the Galatian believers of that particular false teaching. There also were apparently those within Galatia, and it perhaps was these very same false teachers, who were challenging Paul's authority to give a message from God. They argued that Paul, because he was not one of the original disciples, he was not actually an apostle. And so Paul begins his letter with the reason why the Galatian believers needed to listen to what he had to say. He identifies himself right off the bat as Paul, an apostle. The word for apostle means one who is sent. It describes someone who was authorized to speak on behalf of another. Now, in the New Testament day, the term began to be used for those who had been with Jesus and given his message to proclaim to the world. The twelve disciples certainly made this claim, but Paul could make that claim as well. He had been commissioned not through his own devices, not by some individual, not by some group. He had been sent 
by Christ. The message he proclaimed was the message that Jesus had given him to proclaim. And so he makes the argument, this message isn't from me. It's not from some group. It's not from some individual. This message is from God the Father and Jesus Christ. Might be a good idea to listen. If my cousins told me something, I sometimes would listen to them when I was growing up. I figured, well, maybe what they're saying is true. I did that until the day that they told me to lick the top of a 9-volt battery. They told me it would taste like lemonade. Let me assure you, it does not taste like lemonade at all. In fact, don't ever do it because it really, really hurts. And from that moment on, whenever my cousins told me something, I wasn't really sure whether I wanted to believe it or not. If my sister told me something, I usually never listened to her. (laughs) Although there were occasions that she told me some things that I probably should have listened to, like the day she told me not to jump off the roof using a sheet for a parachute. That would have been a really good day for me to have listened to my sister, but most of the time I did not. When my parents told me something, I knew better than not to listen (laughs) I'd gone down that particular road a few times, and I didn't like where that wound up. So when my parents were telling me something, I stopped, and I listened. And as I grew older, I came to understand that they actually did have my best interest in mind. Typically, it matters who it is that is speaking to you when it comes to whether or not you're actually going to listen. Paul's point was simple. He said, if I've been sent by a man, if I've just been sent by a group of people, then my message would only be as reliable as those who had sent me. And the Galatians could choose whether they wanted to believe it or not. If they trusted the group of people that had sent him, then okay, they could listen to what Paul had to say. If they didn't trust them, well, then they didn't need to listen to him. But Paul says, wait a minute. I'm not sent by any individual. I'm not sent by any group of people. I am sent by God the Father and Jesus Christ. You need to hear what they have to say. That makes a difference. Some approach the Bible as just a a book of of good suggestions. Some some helpful statements that can, can make your life a little bit better. Or not, you can read it and decide for yourself. They look at it like a self-help book. Like a manual for plumbing or for quilting. You might like the suggestions or maybe it doesn't quite fit your situation. But make no mistake. Now, it is absolutely true. The Bible does have some tremendous words for our life. And indeed, if we follow the words of the Scripture, our life will be better. In fact, it will be the very best that it can possibly be. But the Bible is much more than just a self-help book. The Bible is nothing less than God's Word to us. It's a good idea to listen to what this book has to say. So if this is God's Word, and I think we could say across this room, we believe that. We we know that this is God's Word. We call it that. We sing about it. we, We pray about it. We know that this is God's Word to us. If this is God's Word to us, what's the message? 
Well, Paul continues to follow what is, in fact, the pattern of the New Testament era in how you would write a communication, a letter to, to someone. The messages, before you got to the point, before you got to the reason that you were writing, you would write some form of greeting. Very similar to what we do today when we're writing a letter. You know, we'll often put the date at the top of the letter and then maybe we'll put the address of the person. If it's a more formal letter, we'll type it all out. And then you'll say, Dear Frank, or whatever the person's name is that you're, you're writing that to. You, you'll make a, a statement. And we don't sometimes think about this. We just automatically just write Dear whatever uh, there. But, but actually that word Dear, it's a term of affection. It means to that person, I care about you. You're an important person in my life. I, I, I want, I'm sharing this letter with you because you're someone that I really do care about. That's what that means when, when we put that in there. Well, in the same way in the Bible days, they would begin their letters with a word of affection, a word that indicated a, 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 a relationship between them and the people to whom they were writing. They often used two words, the words grace and or the word peace. Grace was a Greek word. Uh, it, it, it was used to describe beauty. And it, it was uh, basically a, a wish or a hope that that person would have real beauty in their life, that they would have good things in their life. The word peace was a, a more typically Jewish type of, of greeting. In fact, you'll still hear folks from Jewish communities using the Hebrew word for peace as they greet one another on the street. They'll, they'll say shalom. It's the Hebrew word for peace. And it's like our greeting, have a nice day. It, it's a, a wish for that person, a hope for that person that they will have peace, just like we're hoping that the person that we're greeting will have a nice day. And those words were often used in letters of the New Testament era to convey that personal relationship, that, that idea of affection. Well, Paul uses those very familiar words, but he gives them a gospel twist. Verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now Paul uses these two very familiar greetings for a very important reason. Grace. That word for believers came to describe God's unmerited favor towards us. His love and mercy given to us, though we don't deserve it, though we've not earned it, Christ gives His grace to us. Now remember, he's writing to a group that are facing some false teachers that are saying, hey, well, yeah, it's what Christ gives you, but then you've got to do all this other stuff too. And Paul, from his very first words of greeting, saying, no, no, the grace of our God is sufficient. And he'll continue that argument later on in the letter we'll, we'll get to you. Then he uses this term, peace. Only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ can we truly have peace. But it's not a wish for peace. It's not a hope for peace. It's a promise of peace. Peace in our life today. The security of knowing that Christ is always with us. And peace in eternity. Knowing that we will be with Him for all time. Paul takes those two familiar 
words and describes how Jesus and Jesus alone has accomplished those for us. How only through Christ can we have the grace we so desperately need. How only through Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, can we have peace with God that we so desperately long for. Christ has done it all. Let's say you get two letters in the mail. The first one, you open it up and it tells you that you may have won a million dollars. The second letter you open up has a check for a million dollars. Now you know that that first letter is a letter that has been sent to thousands and thousands of people. And that your odds of actually winning that million dollars are 1 in 1.7 billion. Because that's what it tells you in the fine print down at the bottom of the letter. You realize that you're probably not going to get anything out of that. They just want you to buy some magazine subscription. But the check... If that check is real, you're holding a million dollars in your hand. And you realize that's the key question. Is the check real? Well, whether or not it actually is a million dollars depends on whose signature is on the check. What if you knew the sender? And what if they had contacted you and said, hey, I'm sending you a check for a million dollars. It's going to be in the mail. Be watching for it. It's coming soon. And then one day, you're holding it in your hand. You're going to take the other letter, the one that says you may have won a million dollars, you're going to put that one in the recycle bin, and you're going to take that million dollar check. And go put it in the bank. After you've run by every person's house that you know going, I got a check for a million dollars. Paul will spend much of Galatians refuting the claims of the false teachers. Helping the believers in Galatia to understand that they were just perpetrating a scam. That what they were teaching was false. It was a lie. That there was nothing beyond The sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ that could save nothing. And he will spend much of the letter looking at that. We'll look at that in days to come. But the focus of the letter is not on the scam. The focus of the letter is on the promise that we know in Jesus. And so he begins his letter with this heartfelt truth. We have grace and peace. In Jesus. That's the message of your letter from heaven. You have grace and peace in Jesus. But not just you. Your family can have grace and peace. In Jesus. Your neighborhood can have grace and peace in Jesus. Your workplace can have grace and peace in Jesus. Your school can have grace and peace in Jesus. Just take a look at the postmark. This is a letter worth reading. 
Now, again, we know that. We know the Bible is God's Word. And we recognize how vital it is that we read it. So I would encourage you to find a systematic way to read God's Word. That's our what's your one for the day. To find a a systematic approach to reading God's Word. You know the old open the Bible point and start reading? Well, you're going to read something good. It's all good. You're not going to find something that's not good. But, But there's some helpful ways to be able to read the entire scope of the message of the Scripture. So I encourage you to find one of those. I've shared with you before that, that I use a, a daily reading plan that, that over one year you'll read through the entire Bible. And you think, well, how in the world could I ever read through the entire Bible? Fifteen minutes a day. That's all it takes. Fifteen minutes a day. You can read the entire Bible every year. And there are plans that will help you do that. I, I have a, a printed version that, that has got my daily Bible reading. It's marked to daily. So I just look at what day it is, turn to that page, and read that. And, and that way I, I know what to do. That, that helps me to have a systematic way to do that. There are other really good plans too there. There are lots of wonderful systematic reading plans. Uh, some of you have been using the YouVersion app that, where we've had our sermon notes and some other links to some important information. That YouVersion app has a number of great Bible plans. It has Bible reading plans specifically for mothers, specifically for fathers, specifically for grandparents. It has Bible reading plans for school teachers, for businessmen and women. All kinds of specific kinds of Bible reading plans that will focus on different aspects of life. Those are great as well. Find one that works for you, where you can systematically read this wonderful message that God has written to you. Heavenly Father, help us to recognize the extraordinary gift we have in the Bible, your holy word. Thank you that you have provided for us your message, that we don't have to wonder what you think. We don't have to wonder what you want us to do. You have it right there in the scripture for us. Help us to find ways that we can systematically read your message, and not just read it for knowledge, but read it that we might apply it and live it in our life. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.